points that I, I, I really believe are important when it comes to healing. The first is the understanding that what, because we are filled with the Spirit and because Jesus healed the sick because he was filled with the Spirit, not because he was the Son of God. And that is a critical understanding. Jesus healed the sick because he was filled with the Spirit, not because he was the Son of God. Therefore, if we're filled with the Spirit, we can do what Jesus did. That, that was his promise in John 14, 12, when he says, you can do even greater things than me, which makes no sense at all unless we are able through the same Holy Spirit. And the same Holy Spirit who lives in us is the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Therefore, if the Spirit is living in us, what the Spirit can do, you can do. I, I, this blows me away. If the Spirit can do it, you can do it. If the Spirit can do it, I can do it. And it also puts the thing in perspective that we're not going to go off track because if it's God at work. God isn't going to do something that God doesn't want to do. So it's the Holy Spirit working through us that will do what God can do. And our issue is, as, as I said last night, as Reinhard Bonnke says, let the lion out. You know, our issue is actually letting him out, believing that we, can, that we have this ability within us. And it's... The issue is therefore faith, and, and we're going to come back to that and look at that this morning because we can't talk about healing without talking about faith. The other uh, thing that I raised last night that I feel is very important is this. It, it came to me in, in the last year or two that um, Jesus said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. Those are his very words. It also says... Uh, that Jesus, and let me just read the scripture um, from John chapter 20. Where are we? We're going to be going all over the scriptures today. Bottom right hand page, if you're following along. That's why I don't get on with the Bible on, on the phone, you know. It's, it's never in the right place. Um, John 20, Jesus is with his disciples after his resurrection. And he says, verse 21, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then his, the next verse, and with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So you see, straight away, he's saying this is how he was sent. He was sent by the Holy Spirit, by the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, as I was sent, I send you. In the same way, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So, therefore, Jesus is our example. And we should do as he did. And as I said last night, um, I've looked at it very carefully, and I can't see that Jesus prayed for the sick anywhere. That was a challenge to me. So how did Jesus heal the sick? He just healed them. 
he didn't pray for them. He prayed beforehand. Prayer is important. Prayer is good. But that was done beforehand. And then when it came to ministry, he did something different. So therefore, from that we understand that prayer is different from ministry. Prayer is communication with God. Ministry is giving what you have. So ministry is between you and someone else. Prayer is between you and God. So when we pray for the sick in the sense of you come and lay hands and start asking God to heal somebody, you're actually confusing prayer and ministry. They're two different things. So the point is this. The Holy Spirit works through us. The authority that God has given us to heal the sick works through us. We don't therefore need, because we've been given the authority to heal the sick, we don't therefore need to ask God to do it anymore. He's asking us to do it. Do you see? So, it, therefore, we have the authority to command the mountains to move rather than asking God to move them. And, and that's the whole different, that's the shift in perspective. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus came to demonstrate how we should do it filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So that really sort of sum, trying to summarize a little bit of last night. For the sake of those who were not here. And welcome to those who have come today for the first time. Bless you. Really good. But I encourage you to get the, get the tape. We're recording, which is really good. And uh, uh, so there will be video and sound. So this morning I want to look at, um, well, I've got three, in, in theory, three sessions. They'll probably roll into each other as tends to happen. The first thing I want to look at is um, faith, because as I said, we can't talk about healing without talking about faith. Nothing happens without faith in the kingdom of God. It's, it's all about faith. Jesus never commended people when they were got healed. He never commended them for their love or their worship or their good works. He commended them for their faith. According to your faith, he said, it will be done. So faith is very important. Faith is, uh, there's a very good definition of faith um, in Romans chapter 4, bottom of the right-hand page. You'll get used to this silliness, but that's just how I remember things. Uh, talking about Abraham, uh, uh, Romans 4, verse 21, and it says, Abraham, or verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Here's the definition of faith coming up in verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. I think that's, that anchors it to me, fully persuaded. Faith and hope are two different things. Many of us are ministering. I, I confess myself, this is how I have been ministering and still do sometimes catch myself out. Ministering in hope. Meaning, we lay hands on somebody and we hope that something's going to happen. 
<laughs> if any of you been there? And the Bible doesn't, tells, doesn't tell us that anybody was ever healed by hope. People are not healed by hope. They're healed by faith. Faith is different. Hebrew, I mean, Hebrews 11 verse 1 tells us that faith is being sure of what you hope for. So it goes a step beyond hope. The interesting thing is that we have to have hope before we can have faith. If faith is being sure of what we hope for, well, if you've got nothing to hope for, you've got nothing to put your faith on. I'll tell you a story to illustrate that because this was a true story about something that happened um, to me only a year or two ago. I was invited to go to, a ch uh, um, to uh, pray for a girl that asked me to come and pray for her. I, I wish they'd asked me to come and heal her. Like as I said last night, we get what we go for. If you come for prayer, you get prayer. If you come for healing, you get healing. Uh, it's focus, isn't it? Um, so I went to, the, they'd asked me to go and pray for this girl. When I got there, I turned out that, that she'd, she was a young girl, about 20, and she'd got cancer in her um, knee, and it was a very aggressive form of cancer. And they were going to have to take her leg off, and they were going to have to give her chemo. And because she was young and was unmarried, they were, they were going to have to um, flush her eggs so that she had some embryos in case she needed kids uh, in the future. And all of this was going on, and they were very excited that they had got that process in place. And I'm, and the parents were there and telling me about all of this and about you know the the operation and the, uh, and I thought, there's no hope. Aren't, aren't, can't they believe that God could heal it, her? You know, and take the cancer away. And so I'm, then I said, Lord, um, I need to bring some hope into this situation. What do I do? And I got the word in my head, dancer. Just that, dancer. Not quite sure what to do with it. I said to the girl, I said, do you like dancing? And she said, oh, I love dancing. And I said, well, you will dance again. And she, she burst into tears, and so did the parents. So then I realized, now we've got some hope. You see, suddenly it has shifted. So now we ministered to her, ministered healing to her, anointed her with oil. Within 15 minutes, we had her walking around without pain. And uh, God had touched her. Sadly, that wasn't the end of the story because they went back to the doctors on the following Monday and planned her operation. So she lost her leg, which is very, very sad. Yeah. You don't win them all. But, you know, um, God had intervened. It showed me the difference between faith and hope. Faith is being sure. Faith, we, we, we can't do this job without being sure. And if we're not sure, then ask God to help us to be sure. Jesus was always rebuking the disciples for being little faiths. 
Oh, you of little faith, my Bible says, but actually the Greek is little faith. It was a term of rebuke. Uh, and yet they went out and healed the sick. And so, you know, they didn't have a look. Look what, that, look what happens at the end of Mark. I love this. Where's Mark in, your, in my Bible? It's here somewhere. When Jesus rose early, we don't need that bit. Verse 12, Mark 16, verse 12. Afterwards, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he'd risen. So here were these people, um, Jesus uh, oh, I forgot, forgot this verse, verse 11. When they, they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Three times it says they did not believe. And then it says, and they went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them, confirming his word by signs that had come. So here are these disciples, a bunch of unbelievers, but they went out and did it anyway. So I just want to encourage you to go out and do it anyway. Even if your faith is really um, tiny, minuscule, go and do it anyway, and God will step in and do it because he's faithful. And that, that's been my experience, for sure. What I want to do is to actually look at a few stories in Scripture so, and, and then and discuss them. So to begin with, I want to go to Mark chapter 11. And we're going to look at the story of blind, did I put Mark 11 or Mark 10? Um, blind Bart Bartimaeus. Mark chapter 10. And uh, verse 46. Listen to the, listen to the word of God. And then they came to Jericho and as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then he rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Did this guy have faith or not? How much faith did he have? Enough to yell. What else? What else? Enough to do what else? Throw his cloak off, which was the symbol of his office. Yeah, he was, because that was kind of a symbol that he was throwing away his last life. Before he got healed, he knew what he wanted, yeah. And he wanted it badly. 
What else happened to him? He asked, yes, good. What else? He shouted. He was hungry, wasn't he? Jumped to his feet. Uh, Yeah, yeah. But something else had happened to him. Yes. Before that. He what? He had hope. Yeah, excellent. He knew it was possible. Hope knows it's possible. Faith knows it will happen. Very specific, yes. I like that. He was actually being persecuted for wanting what he wanted, and people were rebuked him. But he was willing to push through that to get what he needed. And there is, there's a similar picture, isn't there, of the lady with the issue of blood who was willing to push through the crowd to touch Jesus' cloak because she said to herself, I only need to touch his cloak and I'll be healed. And, and she pushed through the crowd. She could not have pushed through the crowd without touching people, right? Anybody who touched her was automatically rendered unclean. Socially, that would be totally unacceptable behavior. And yet she was willing to push through that to, to get what she needed. And uh, I, I often tell of the story of a, of a young man who was, um, he had a motorcycle accident in, in the United Kingdom and uh, ended up in a wheelchair and he couldn't, he couldn't, he was paraplegic. And for three years, every time there was an opportunity for healing, he went forward. He counted the times he went for ministry. Number 180, nothing had happened. Number 181, he was completely healed. How many times would you go? Another, another story I heard which came out of Bethel. A couple of the Bethel people were going around ministering. And they came to a guy uh, in one, one home who had only had one leg. He'd had the other leg amputated. And all he had was a stump. And, uh, and they said to him, can we pray for your leg? And he said, okay. They put their hands on his leg. And they saw nothing happen. And they said, can we come back tomorrow? And he said, okay. So they went back and they laid hands on his leg and they saw nothing happen. And they said, can we come back tomorrow? And he said, okay. And they went back the third day and they laid hands on his leg and they saw nothing happen. At this stage, John Ferguson's done. I'm finished. I'm out of there. Fourteen days in a row, they went back. On day 14, it began to grow. And it grew to a leg and toes and a foot. How many days would you go back? I might do three, but I'm not doing 14. These guys had faith. Yeah. I, I just find that story astonishing. It's a real challenge. 
Are we willing to do it? Yeah. Very good question, <laughs> but I'm going to answer it by being a bit cheeky. I would say you just don't pray at all. <laughs> the process. Come on, thank you. Um, I don't know. Only what the Holy Spirit gives you. Uh, I don't know what else to do. It, to me, I am so convinced that Jesus was challenging their faith. In the same way that he challenged the faith of the Syrophoenician woman who kept pestering him to get a daughter set free and, and all of the you know, all of the rebukes and turn, um, resistance, she pushed through and, and, and Jesus said, you have great faith. So her daughter got set free. Uh, I don't know. It's, it, I say again, it's not actually about what we do. It's not actually about what we pray. It's not even about what we say. It's about what Jesus has already done. And if we are willing to push through, we've, there is far more out there for us to get a hold of than we ever realize. If we're willing to push through for it. Yeah. 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 Could well be. Yeah. Could well be. Yeah. I'll go with that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with prayer. It's an important part of the process, yeah. not pretending to be easy but but so often in these challenges of I'll, I will bet that next time those people who've seen that miracle their faith level will now be at a different level and and they would be God probably won't hold them out for 14 days again you know won't be needed because their faith was already up there they'd already pushed through that and and so um, when we're faced with these challenges of faith, I just want to encourage us to push on and push through and, and be hungry like blind Bartimaeus to get what God has got for us because that will break us through into the next level. That's what we're talking about. How are we going to get there? We've got to push through this level to get to that level. And it's not easy. I'm not pretending it's easy. But are we willing to do it? Um, just remind you of that thing that I shared last night you know everything seems to fall apart when we're when god is taking us to the next level it all falls to pieces first so that it has to be god yeah. 
Okay, so we've looked at blind Bartimaeus. Now I want to look at another story. We're looking at a whole lot of blind men because I thought it was sort of quite an interesting pattern. Um, let's go to Matthew chapter 9. Because there's something going on here that um, I think will help us. In Matthew chapter 9, sorry. In Matthew chapter 9, we find the story of two blind men who came to Jesus. Uh, verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him, calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? Yes, Lord, they replied. Then he touched their eyes and said, According to your faith, will it be done to you? And their sight was restored. Let's just put, get this picture then. Jesus was going on, walking with his disciples, and two blind men follow him, calling out, Son of God, David, have mercy on us. He didn't stop. He went indoors. Don't you find that interesting? They were following, crying out, help, 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 help. And Jesus just goes and he, he's actually at home with with, with Peter's, he, he was staying with Peter's mother-in-law in, um, and, and uh, in Capernaum. This is where he was. This is right. He was hungry. He was, he, he, that's right. You don't disappoint mother-in-law. Thank you for, for that word of wisdom. So he went indoors. And then what happened? They obviously came and they followed him in. So, were they hungry or not? And then he challenged them. I, do you think, do you believe that I'm able to do this? What did they say? Did they say, I hope so? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Not if it's your will. They said yes. And he said, according to your faith. And they received it. Well, this time he, he laid hands on their eyes. So there's a slightly different level of faith here from blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus, all he did was speak to them. And Matthew has two, two of them. Um, Mark only has one. don't know why Mark, one, one disappeared when it time Mark got to write it. But anyway, uh, Matthew, I mean, here, Matthew has these two blind men coming to Jesus, and Jesus laid hands on them. I don't think they had quite the same level of faith that blind Bartimaeus had. So he, they needed to be challenged. Do you believe? Do you see this? So there's, why is this important? Because mostly when we are ministering healing, we're looking for faith. Now, if we're, if we're, haven't got faith in ourselves, we need some faith from somebody else. The guy who was let through the roof, do you remember that story? And, they, and, and the four of them let through, and it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he healed the man. 
The man probably didn't have any faith at all, but his mates did. So that was enough for Jesus. There was some faith around. I have a story of a friend who, um, well, perhaps I, I won't go there. I'll just say, uh, some people say, is it necessary for the person you're ministering to to have faith? And the answer is no. Lazarus didn't have any. So here we have a slightly different faith level. Bartimaeus' faith level was high enough to receive his sight without any, anything else except a word. These two had a little bit less faith. Their faith needed to be challenged. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And then he laid his hands on them. See this, what's going on? Okay. Um, let's go to John chapter 9, story I'm sure most of you know. And here we have the story of the man who was blind from birth. And uh, they were walking past him. This was in Jerusalem. Rabbi who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind. They wanted to start a theological discussion. Jesus wanted to get him healed. So what did he say? As long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming. While I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. That was his theological discussion. Then he said... <laughs> Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. I, I want us to think of this from the perspective of the blind man. There you are, sitting in your posse. You've been there, sitting there for years. You're brought there every morning by your family, and you sit in your place with your begging bowl, and you rattle it when you hear somebody coming by and then you hear these people coming by and you rattle your bowl and um, they start and start talking about you. I guess he's probably used to people talking about him but he's probably quite used to most people just ignoring him. Some people giving a few coins out of religious duty. And then this guy he can't see the spit. All he feels is this guy rubbing his eyes with mud. Really bizarre. And then says, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The pool of Siloam in those days was um, right down the bottom of Jerusalem, down a whole series of long steps. It wasn't easy. It wasn't just like next door. He would have had to have walk down those steps. He would have known the way, but remember he was always brought to his position by his family. So for him, this was not just an adventure. You're blind, remember? This was actually quite a major challenge. What do you do? Do you see? And why was it necessary for Jesus to do this? Why didn't he just lay hands on the guy? 
Why didn't he just speak to him? I believe the answer is because he was looking to raise the guy's faith. And this guy's faith was going to be raised through obedience. Being asked to do something bizarre, and it was bizarre. Put mud on your eyes and go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Being asked to do something bizarre in order to demonstrate whether you, how much you want to be healed. Because he could easily have just dismissed the whole thing as this guy's charlatan, this guy's crazy, um, and just gone on rattling his bowl. But he decided not to do that, thank God, otherwise we wouldn't be reading the story. We don't know how many other ones didn't. And he went. And that act of obedience was enough to get him healed. What Jesus did was challenge his, obe his obedience. And I think a lot of miracles, a lot of healings happen through such obedience. There's an interesting story um, when Jesus has told his disciples to forgive people, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And, and the disciples say to him, increase our faith, meaning that's beyond, we can't do that, it's, it's too, in the too hard basket. And then Jesus tells this very interesting story about the servant. I, I'm going to just read it because it, it's coming to me and I want to get the words right. It's in Luke 17. Increase our faith, the apostles say in verse 5. Luke 17, verse 5. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted into the sea. Notice you can say to the tree, not pray about the tree. Say to the tree, be uprooted and it will obey you. Right, now he tells this story. It seems so out of context. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper and get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. Jesus is, is linking obedience with raising faith. Do we want our faith to be raised? Then we need to be obedient. We need to do what we've been told to do. When, we've been told, when we have done what we've been told to do, our faith level will raise. So, Jesus was testing the obedience of this blind man. Can we do one more? Yeah. Let's go to Mark chapter 8. Another blind man. These are all blind men that he, we're talking about. And I'm flagging this up because Jesus' behavior with all of these blind men was different. And again, this is something which is, a, I think, a big lesson for us when it comes to ministry. 
Jesus never just went through the motions. He never said, oh, well, we'll do this, and if that doesn't work, we'll do this, and if that doesn't work, we'll do this. Jesus tailored his response for the individual's need. And this is a big challenge for us. Are we willing to tailor our response? So, Because everybody is coming to this healing thing from a different place. And some people will have faith. Some people won't have much faith. Some people will have a lot of faith. Some people will have zilch. We need to be willing to uh, do something different. So look what he did here. This is, I find this interesting. They came to Bethsaida. This is Mark chapter 8, uh, starting at verse 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes, he put his hands on him. Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't go into the village. These people were in the village of Bethsaida. I don't know how big it was in those days, but I imagine that you know, I've traveled in the villages in Nepal, and, and so they're so like the Bible. Um, I, it, you kind of get a, a picture and a feel for what, what it must have been like 2,000 years ago, because that's really the culture up in the hills there. And Jesus, they, 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 they bring this blind man to Jesus, wanting him to heal him. Now let's get the, the first thing out of the way. Why did they bring him? They brought him to be touched. Why? Did they bring him because they really wanted him to be healed or did they bring him as a test? We don't know. It might have been just a challenge. And so, Jesus, it says, took this man by the hand, he was blind, remember, and led him out of the village. Now, that wasn't a five-minute process. That was going to be at least 15, 10, 15, 20 minutes, maybe even half an hour, walking hand in hand with this blind man to take him out of the village. Having got out of the village, he made some mud, put it on his eyes, laid his hands on the eyes, interviewed him. He was partially healed, repeated the process, interviewed him again. In fact, if you count it up, Jesus did seven different things to get this blind man healed. It wasn't a five-minute dab-and-run sort of ministry that I used to do, um, still do sometimes, but uh, no, it was none of that. It was actually Jesus realized to get this guy healed was going to take time. And, and this, again, I find very encouraging. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was more concerned about getting him healed than about anything to do with reputation or time? Or He wanted to see this guy healed, and it was going to be a process. And he was willing to go through the, the 
process to get, get him healed. And even Jesus himself in this story, and we've often quoted it, needed at least two goes to, to get, him, get him healed. Um, if Jesus needed several goes to get someone healed, well, then we're going to need sometimes as well, you know. Because we're dealing in a situation where probably this blind guy actually didn't have any faith at all. The guys that brought him might have had some, but we're speculating. They may have been, actually, may have had no faith at all if they were just challenging Jesus. Because I asked the question, why therefore did he, did he need to lead him out of the village? He needed to change the faith situation change the faith environment. So often Jesus did this. You know, remember with the raising of, of Jairus, his daughter, and he turned everybody out except the, um, the parents and his close disciples. So there weren't so many people around the girl. So there were several situations where Jesus and the disciples did this, changed the faith environment. And this is something that we need to look out for. So what the, the, I should have started, I suppose, by giving you the title of this session, but the title of this session is actually Raising Our Faith Detectors. We need to be in a place where we are able to detect what's going on in, in the faith environment. You see, there's a, there's a, a verse in um, Acts, uh, a, a passage in Acts, um, where we read uh, Paul doing exactly this. Acts 14, verse 8 and 9. In Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet who was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Paul had been preaching to this guy. We don't know for how long, but the guy was there. And, and then it says he saw that he had faith to be healed. How? What did he see? What was it about the man? And then did you notice Paul didn't pray? He didn't ask God to heal him. He just told him to stand up saw that he had faith. As soon as he saw that he had faith, this man's got it. Get up. This is, this is where I want to challenge us to get to a place where we can actually see that people have got faith and say, you've got it. Oh, blind eyes open. Walk. Do whatever, you know. One time a girl came I was still a crusade director for Reinhard Bonnke, and, and uh, we were doing a crusade in Jamaica. And we'd closed the meeting. We'd had a wonderful meeting. A lot of people had been healed. And I was helping the sound guys up on the platform, coiling up cables. And this girl comes hobbling up onto the platform. And she said, um, I know I'm not really supposed to be here, but I felt the Holy Spirit tell me that if I come up onto the platform, I'll be healed. And uh, so I said, well, what, what's, what's the problem? And she said, oh, well, I've got one leg uh, that's two inches shorter than the other leg, and I've never been able to run in all my life or play sport. 
And I was coiling up cables, and to be honest, I didn't have a lot of faith. Fortunately, she did. <laughs> so I said, well, do you want to be shorter or taller? <laughs> she laughed, <laughs> and she said, oh, taller. I said, okay, well, we'll pray for the short one to grow. <laughs> so we, I put my hand on the short leg, and I just said, grow in the name of Jesus. And nothing appeared to happen. And she stumped off, and I went on coiling cables. You know how it is? And you kind of mark it up as another failure. Because in those days, I ministered to heaps of people and didn't see much happen. So I just didn't think any more of it. Went on doing what crusade directors do. Well, the next night, she came running down the aisle and up, the, up onto the platform to testify. And God had healed her in the night. And, and her legs were the same length. And I think probably when she got up in the morning, she would have fallen over. Because we had this happen. Another girl um, quite recently in, in uh, Masterton, no, Carterton, we were doing a school of healing down there in the Wairarapa. And this girl came and she also had a sh one leg shorter than the other, couldn't run. And my wife laid hands on her leg, and her leg grew while my wife was laying hands on it. So that was quite exciting. And um, she started walking around, and she said, the ground feels too close. <laughs> it's just, it's not the sort of expression you would say unless something like that had happened. And uh, she said it felt like that for a day or two, that the ground felt too close on that side. Uh, and but but suddenly um, you know she was healed and now she's able to run and uh, yeah so yeah lovely lovely girl very cool are we looking for faith and if we are how do we how do we get there I just want to run through a few tips and some of you will will. Um, Some of you will know some of these, but I just want to, and then we'll have a, a quick opportunity for some ministry to each other before we have a cup of tea. Um, first of all, uh, we need to ask God for a gift of discernment so that we can actually see what's going on. And that's like all of the gifts of the Spirit, I think they develop with exercise. The more we try, putting them into practice, the better we'll get at it. Uh, which means that the first time or two when you think you've got heard from God and you're going to share it, you'll fall, probably fall off. But be cool with that. You don't learn to ride a bicycle without falling off a few times. And it's just the same with the gifts of the Spirit. Why should we think that we're going to get it 100% the first time? We need to practice these things. Discernment is just the same. Um, and how do we discern? It's just a gift. You, you get something. Funnily enough, I was only... Uh, yesterday, sitting in the airport, waiting to fly down, looking at people, and I could just see things on them, and 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 I'm going, my goodness, um, Lord, what's going on? And and He said, Well, you uh, you are increasing your gift of discernment. You're actually seeing things on people, things about their lives that before perhaps you wouldn't have done. So, this is a gift which I would encourage you to develop. 
And as I say, how do we develop it? Practice it. Do it. Ask people, is this right? So maybe we'll practice that just before we go to tea. The second thing is, um, like Bartimaeus, look for desperation. How desperate are the people? The, f the first man, Bartimaeus, was desperate. The two blind men were pretty persistent. Um, the last blind man, you don't know whether he was brought there reluctantly or whatever, but Jesus needed to do more of a process with him to, to build a faith environment. Yeah, so that's the next thing, raise the faith environment. This is something that I do when we're doing schools of healing. Uh, for example, last year we were, I went to Fiji, and I wanted to... I wanted people to be healed of, you know, blind people and bad eyes, um, but I sensed there wasn't a lot of faith around in the, in the environment. So I didn't start there. I started with something that I have faith for, which is bad backs. Why have I got faith for it? Because I've seen a lot of bad backs healed. So generally, when we call people forward with bad backs, we what we do is I, I say, anybody here with bad backs, and we get a line, and then we go down and lay hands on them all. And I say, everyone who's been healed, sit down. And then we do it again, and we do it three or four times, and everybody gets healed. So that's very cool. So then what does that do? That raises the faith environment. People are going, oh, God's at work. So then I called for shoulders or something else. I forget what it was. I think it was. And we did that same process. And by then, there's a bit of a buzz going on. I said, right, um, which is what I was really going for was eyes. So everybody with bad eyes, come to the front. And 20 people came, and uh, we had some help. Brom was there, and uh, one of the pastors was helping. So they started down that end. I start down this end. I say to the first person, what's your problem? Oh, I've got very sore eyes. So I laid my hands on the eyes for a few seconds, and then I said, what happened? Oh, I'm healed. Good, you can sit down. Next person. What's your problem? Oh, I've got very sore eyes. Okay. Same process, laid hands, maybe command the eyes to be healed. All the soreness goes, she sits down. Next person, oh, I've got sore eyes. What's going on with this place? <laughs> so we got three or four in a row, but they all got healed. Anyway, I went down the line, different eye problems. Uh, and then finally, um, the other guys were working up from the other end, and they'd got everybody healed except one guy at the end, and he was totally blind. So asked me to go down and lay hands on him. So I went down to this guy. And, and uh, you know, I actually watched his eyes clearing. He had, he had bad cataracts. His eyes were milky white. And actually watched them clear. Uh, extraordinary experience. Just cleared. And he said, oh, I can see. So very, very cool. Um, and so we got all 20 with eye problems all healed. I think if we'd started there, it probably wouldn't work like that. We needed to raise the faith environment. Yeah. I know, I can't heal anybody's eyes. But Jesus can do it. Have you? Okay. We'll have a go. Pretty cool. God's just spoken to me. You're going to get healed. Amen? Good. Very cool. Thank you, Jesus.
Um, we're looking for childlike faith. Uh, so we're looking for, we, the gift of discernment is the first thing we need, can ask for. There's looking for desperation. We're looking for childlike faith. Um, and one time I was asked to minister, teach some kids in our church how to heal the sick. I said, wow, that'd be a great pleasure. Um, how much time have I got? Uh, 11 minutes. <laughs> All right, so I've got 11 minutes to teach the kids how to heal the sick. Um, don't you love teaching kids? They just suck it up. So, and I'm panicking. I'm going, oh my goodness, how do I do this? And the Lord reminded me of that verse in Luke chapter 10. After the, the 72 had returned. And, and it says, and Jesus, full of joy, um, praised his Father and said, Thank you, Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. And, and that verse showed me that children naturally have faith. We don't have to teach children to have faith. They've already got faith. And, and so the Lord spoke to me and said, you don't have to teach them to have faith. Just really give them permission to use it. And so that's what we did. And I said, okay, you guys, we're, um, you know, God can use everyone who loves Jesus. And uh, so I said, if you love Jesus, I want you to go and lay hands on each other and we'll see what God does. And a whole heap of kids got healed just laying hands on each other and because they had faith. They didn't need to be told, oh, I, I wind it up, you know. None of that. Just let them go. So I would encourage you guys, same story. If you're, get, get your kids out there laying hands on people. And often, if, if we're doing a school of healing and there are kids around and, and kind of I'm getting stuck and there isn't much faith about, I call the kids to come and help. Are there any kids in the house? Come and help me do this. Yeah, 99 times out of 100, they get healed with the kids. So don't ignore them. They're a very important part of the process. Involve the children. So other things that we can do, something we've already done this morning, um, telling testimonies, that raises faith. Uh, something that Jesus did several times, which I call faith triggers, release faith. And I often tell this story because it was, um, was very quite dramatic. One time a lady came to me and, and uh, she had dropsy of the foot. Her foot wouldn't work. And um, she had no feeling in her foot. And it was ever since that she'd had her um, daughter about 12 years earlier. So I'm thinking, as you know, the brain goes into gear. Oh, probably a sciatic nerve, you think. So I thought, right, I'm going to put my hand on her back. And the God says, no, stamp on her foot. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I said, do you mean stand? And he says, no, stamp. <laughs> so I was very gracious. I took my shoe off. You know, oh, it was kind. <laughs> and I stamped on her foot. And, and then she'd taken her shoe and sock off. So by then I bent down and put my hand on her foot. Any different? No. 
At this stage, you, you, you're kind of thinking, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, digging a hole for myself here. You don't feel good about it. But perseverance, and then, and then her little toe started moving. She got very excited. She said, I haven't moved my little toe for 12 years. Then her next toe got going, and then we got all the toes going. And within a minute or two, she was running around the church, and her foot was completely healed. Now, why did God tell me to stamp on her foot? And I questioned her, and I thought that was very odd. And so I said, have you been prayed for before? And she said, oh, hundreds of times. And therefore, what was going, I think was going on was this, that if I just prayed for her the same as everybody else, she was going through, she was going to be thinking, same old, same old, and not expecting anything to happen. But when I said, God has told me to stamp on your foot, she's going, oh, this is different. <laughs> you get it? Now she's expecting something to happen. Only, only a few days ago, somebody invited, asked us to go and pray for a girl who had uh, stomach problems. And I asked her to do something I don't think I've ever asked anybody to do before, but I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me. I said, lie on your stomach. Lie down. And, and we're going to uh, minister to you lying on the ground. And uh, we didn't see immediate healing. But again, I believe that was a faith trigger. Jesus did this many times different things and the disciples think I mean one of the one of the most um, well-known faith triggers was Paul's handkerchiefs and that's a faith trigger what well, I, I don't personally believe that any power or magic transferred in the handkerchief what I believe was going on is the woman with the uh, handkerchief had got Paul to pray over it as she's going back and to her home and putting this under the pillow or whatever of her husband she's going now something's going to happen See what's happened to her faith. It's a faith trigger. It releases faith. So these are things that we can do to, to tell people. So we don't have to copy exactly what happened in Scripture. Do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And if it's a bit out there, ask permission first. I did actually ask the lady before I stamped on her foot. And if it's really out there, just check that it's from God, okay? Because <laughs> the other guy can mess things up. Okay, so we're just going to spend five minutes. I, I, what I want to do is ask us... I, I believe in stretching, so, all right? So we're just not just going to stretch physically. We're going to stretch spiritually. I want to, us to get into pairs in a moment. And then I want you to ask God to have a word of discernment about the spirit of the other person. So that you actually can discern something that's going on, in it. not physically or not a word of knowledge about their physical situation or any other, but actually what, what is going on in their spirit. So whether they have a gentle spirit or a loving spirit or a strong spirit or, a, you know, whatever. Are you getting my point? Yeah. And so that you can actually share what God has got. Um, and 
when we're doing this kind of exercise, we're actually putting ourselves out there and trusting God because we can't get it. It has to be God telling us. And if you get it wrong, hey, you know, we're practicing, aren't we? Um, get back on your bicycle and have another go <laughs> because that's the only way we're going to learn. So, and, and it's, not, it's not serious. Um, just remember, though, no accusing. We don't accuse people. Um, that's, that's the job of the devil. He's the accuser, so we don't do any accusing. Um, but if you discern something that's troubled or whatever, you can share that. Say, am I right? Is this true? Um, and very often, the people will be touched or blessed that God has shown you um, their issue. And maybe they've got an issue that they are unaware of, but that you can actually discern. Is that all right? can do that. So if we can do that, I'm going to ask us to get on our feet and get into pairs. It works better with people you don't know too well. Um, so I'm going to suggest that you move around and find somebody you don't know. Introduce yourself.